Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. As I've been saying each week on, uh, as we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer, I simply love this prayer, not just because Jesus said it and it's a great prayer, but because anytime I feel stuck in my prayer life, if I don't know where to begin, if I don't feel like I have the words to pray, I can always go here and have a starting point. I can always know that this is a good prayer to pray because Jesus taught it to us, that every word in it is accurate and right. I know that when I pray this prayer, it's going to be good for me and it's going to be good for the world. In fact, this prayer can change the world because of the one to whom we pray it. God, our Father, the world changer. Now for the first three weeks of this series, we've been looking at the importance of praying to God our Father. We've been saying things like, Our Father who is in heaven. And we've talked about hallowing His name, having His character become evident in the world. We've talked about His kingdom breaking in all around us, displacing injustice. We've talked about asking God's will to be done, His good pleasure. The fact that we pray to our Abba Father changes everything about how we pray and why we pray. If God is good, like the scriptures say He is, if He's loving and accepts us the way we are, then prayer becomes all about relating to Him and loving Him. It becomes a lot less about praying because of duty or praying because of religious, just got to do it. Now, for the first three weeks we've been dealing with this pronoun, your. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. This is week four, and we're looking at the fourth petition in the Lord's Prayer. And from here on out, the pronouns are going to shift from your to us, to our. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us. Deliver us. God knows what we need before we ask Him. So, what are we asking for anyway when we're asking for daily bread? In order to discover what Jesus is trying to say, I'm going to try and break it down for us um, by looking at two layers of what bread means. What does it mean to ask for bread? We're going to look at two layers and three attitudes. To be more accurate, we're going to look at two layers and it's sandwiched in between three attitudes. And Ian's going to help us out here. So let's put layer number one up there. Layer number one. When we ask for bread, we're praying for, wait for it, 
We're praying for food. We're praying for sustenance, caloric intake. We're praying for everything we need to stay alive. The necessities of life. Now in Jesus' day, bread was a staple at almost every meal. Um, They'd have flatbread like we're going to take a communion. And more than just being like a side dish or on the table like we have with bread and butter, bread was actually the utensils. Kind of like um, when you go out to Indian food and you all eat family style, and in the middle there might be some curry and some different bowls of things, and you have some non-bread. You break off a piece of the bread, you dip it into the common bowl, and then you eat the bread. You eat your utensil. Bread was a staple part of Jesus' people and culture. So, to pray, give us this day our daily bread, means give us the bare necessities. If Jesus was Asian, he'd say, give us this day our daily rice. If he was a neighbor to the south, he might say, give us this day our daily tortilla. If he was from the United States of America, give us this day our daily ration of saturated fat and sodium. But the point is that just give me the basics. Give me the basics. This prayer is a prayer for the necessities of life. Give us this day what we need to live. Food. Shelter. Clothing. Love. Peace. Now, when we began this series on the Lord's Prayer, I mentioned that these words in the Lord's Prayer, in in the Greek there's 57 words. Don't count them up in English, it won't be 57. But there's 57 in the original language words. Those 57 words are simply a, a foundation, a starting point for building a life of prayer. So let me just say this. You'll be doing nothing wrong if you just pray the Lord's Prayer. That's Jesus told us to pray that. But at the same time, There are layers to the Lord's Prayer. Remember when I said bread is the bare necessities. I didn't just say food. I said clothing and love, shelter, these types of things. By telling us to pray for daily bread, Jesus is inviting us into a whole world of prayer. Asking for necessities. And we're going to explore these necessities as they come up in the three attitudes that I think emerge as we pray this line in the prayer. Three attitudes that emerge. And I want to do a caveat. I think these three attitudes emerge in our context. I'm talking to you and to me. If I were talking to uh, in, in a different part of the world, these may be different attitudes. If I were talking to people in a different socioeconomic range, there might be different attitudes. But here's, for us, I think, three attitudes that come from praying this prayer. The first one, an attitude of thanksgiving. An attitude of thanksgiving. Ian's going to put that up there for you note takers. Now, the reason I say that is because I'd I'd be willing to wager, I'm just going out on a limb here, I'd be willing to wager that 90% of us have food enough in our refrigerators and or pantries to eat tomorrow without going to the store today. I'd also be willing to wager that almost as many as 90% have enough food in our fridges and pantries to eat for the next two or three days. Now, if you're a single guy like I used to be, that's probably not true. But that's, but that's why I said 90%, okay? 90%. Um, so what does it mean to pray for daily bread if my pantry is full of stuff, if my fridge is full of stuff? If I pray that prayer, am I just going through the motions? Does it mean anything? For me, what I found is that when I pray, give us this day our daily bread, 
I pray, God, thank You for this day's bread. Thank You for providing this for me. Thank You for providing for my family. I thank Him for the resources to even have daily bread. For work. For a mind that works. For a body that works. It's difficult, isn't it, to remember where our food comes from in our culture. I'm trying to teach that to Sophia. Now, Sophia's daily bread, our little three-year-old, um, is uh, it revolves around breakfast. That's just like her dad. That's the most awesome meal ever. And uh, now we, we disagree on what is a good breakfast. Like, I, I would just love to cook her waffles all the time and pancakes and French toast with... Got that bacon, right? But you know what she wants? She doesn't want those things. She wants... Hagen brand. It has to be instant oatmeal. And right now she's into the bananas and cream. Or honey bunches of oats. That's just what she likes. Now, so that is her daily bread. And when we are running low, I'll say, Oh, honey, this is the last packet of bananas and cream. She'll say at three years old, Dada, put it on the list. Mommy will go to the store. She, she thinks, right, that the food comes from the store and all we have to do, like, no exchange of money happens. Nothing. You just go to the store and get it off the shelf. Really? Is that really how it happens? Well, we, we know a little bit better than that. In fact, earlier on in Psalm 104, the part we read for our call to worship, we're reminded by the psalmist that God is the provider of all things. And he talks about the vastness of the ocean, two-thirds of the world's surface covered by water, teeming with all kinds of incredible creatures. I wish I could see the Leviathan thing, and I'm not quite sure what they're talking about there, but let's think great white shark, the most incredible predator in the world. Live every week like a shark week, right? Come on. Alright. Some people got that. But... The great white shark, incredible predator. But the psalmist doesn't say, look how awesome is the shark that can get their meal at a whim. It says, even Leviathan and the mighty creatures of the deep wait on God to provide their meal. People wait on God. The mightiest predators wait on God. It's a difference in mindset, isn't it? It's a difference in worldview. See, in the culture we live in, I work hard enough, if I'm smarter than the next person, if I can get a leg up, I'll get more stuff, and I'll be able to provide. How many of us use that term? The breadwinner of the family. I'm the provider of the family. The psalmist would disagree and say, God is the provider, the great provider. My ability to go to the store to get bananas and cream oatmeal has nothing to do with my ability to shop. Thank God, because I'm not good at it. And it really doesn't teach ourselves or our kids where food comes from, which is why for the last few years we've been trying to have a family garden at home. And, and uh, especially in the spring when things grow like two inches every night, Sophia will be able to recognize it. She helped me plant with her own finger the carrots and the beets. She helps water them each day. And in the morning when she wakes up and they're taller than they were last night, she's learned to say, oh, God did that. God did that. That's why we're trying to teach our kids to pray before meals. Thank you, God. I mean, she's really good at thanking uh, mom for making the meal, but she also says, you know, God, thank you for this food. Thank you for the people we get to eat with, family and friends. Thank you for the roof over our head. These are the gifts of God. 
So part of asking for daily bread, in our context where we have daily bread most often, is a prayer of thanksgiving. You cannot, I think, be thankful, really thankful, without this second attitude resulting. Generosity. Generosity. As we become a people who recognize that all that we have, every good thing is from God, we cannot then pray, give us this day our daily bread, without recognizing, give us this day our daily bread. The prayer won't let us pray without including the entire world. We're praying to the Father of the one who fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Jesus did that. He fed 5,000 people. Why wouldn't that same Father look at about the 6 billion people and see millions of them going hungry? Why wouldn't He have us pray for them too? Well, it's a no-brainer. He does have us pray for them. Generosity. This prayer goes beyond our needs. It's the big hour. It's the worldwide hour. When we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we're not only praying for our nuclear family and even the people in our church or even just the people in our neighborhood, but we're praying that all people would have daily bread, daily food, daily shelter, peace, love. Generosity requires that we pray for the world and not just ourselves. Tabalo Mohele is an eight-year-old boy in Lesotho, Africa. He's a boy that our family is sponsoring through World Vision, much like many of you sponsor kids as well. And I know that sending him money is helpful to him. It puts food on the table, helps him get school supplies, things like that. I also know that praying for Tabalo is important. I pray for his safety, for his health, for his daily bread. But being generous in our prayer requires some thought. Here's why. If we really care, if we're really praying, give us this day our daily bread, then I need to also pray for Tabalo's parents. Because Tabalo could have all the food he wants, but if his parents are not well, things won't go well for him. And that, that makes me think, well, I need to pray for his village, his town that he lives in. Because if the leaders of that town are not just, if they're not well, it will not go well for Tabalo's family. Well, then I start thinking, what about the leaders of his country? What if they're not just? What if they're not well? Things will not go well for Tabala's town or his family or him. And so you see, the prayer for daily bread that spawns generosity means that we're praying for social justice. It means that we're praying for rain in those countries where there's drought. It means we're praying prayers of deliverance where there is war and genocide. It means becoming prayers for good crops and for fertile animals and for good management of resources in our own backyard and around the world. To be generous in prayer is to pray what we've already been praying, that God's kingdom would come, that His will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. But one thing always crosses my mind when I pray this prayer. Out of the millions of people that are hungry, certainly, certainly some of them are praying this prayer. 
Why, if God is so loving, doesn't He answer their prayers? Why do I have food on the table and someone else doesn't? One thing I don't believe is that there are too few resources in the world to feed every person. I don't believe that. So here's something that's been bugging me. And I say this as someone from your community, not as a pastor preacher who's full of hot air talking to you or at you. What if we are hoarding the answer to people's prayers? What if we are hoarding the answer to people's prayers? What if while we pray, give us this day our daily bread, we have more than our share of daily bread? After all, in what other culture would you have the food channel? Or could you go to the fair and see people stuffing 50 hot dogs down their face and calling it sport while people go hungry? I confess that it's a question I deal with, and I'm not here to put anyone on the spot. In fact, I think the Spirit's putting me on the spot, and if the Spirit's doing that to you, then that's Him, not me. (laughs) But the Lord's Prayer convicts me And I say this as a convicted person who's not living my convictions out perfectly. Here's some of the questions I wrestle with. In fact, you might want to write this question down because it's way beyond any sermon. It's something we need to ponder for a long time and make steps. But ask yourself this. What actions might we take if we're hoarding the, the answer to the world's prayers, if we have way more than we need and someone else is going hungry, what actions might we take? What's a baby step? Could I spend less and give more? Could I be more responsible with what I eat? This is a huge one. For those of us who love meat, beef, and chicken... More grain is grown in America to feed cows that the minority of us can afford than the world's need for grain. I mean, if we took all the grain that we spend on feeding cows and chickens, we could feed most of the world. And it's my love affair with meat. Having bread doesn't mean just food, right? It means power. Now, relative to uh, many countries in the world, we have a very democratic system. You and I have a voice. We have power. How might we use our power to encourage those in power to help the world? How would we vote? What decisions would we make? Praying for bread, daily bread with integrity, means praying, Father, show me what to do. We need God's wisdom. It's beyond any, any political agenda. It's beyond any whiz-bang idea. We need God's guidance on this to make a real difference. 
really just puts us back in the beginning where we've been every other week. This is not something we can do alone. That's why we're asking God to do it. Jesus says, ask my Father for daily bread. Ask my Father for daily bread. We're we're going to God, crying out, Give us this day our daily bread. Bread for the world, Lord. Show us what to do. How to take the resources you've blessed us with and bless other people. And it brings us back full circle to the third attitude, which is dependency. Dependency. After all, the prayer is, give us this day our daily bread. Not give us this month our daily bread. It's not, God, would you bless me when I go to Costco for my monthly supplies. And it's not, give us this week our daily bread. Lord, would you give me what I need at Hagen or Safeway or wherever you guys go. Because there's no Safeway around here. But you know what I'm saying. To the grocery store. It's a prayer to be prayed daily. Now there's some dispute in the Greek language as, as to whether it's, give us this day our bread for tomorrow or give us today our bread for today I mean there's some dispute but the bottom line is this if you're praying it in the early morning it means bread for that day if you're praying it in the evening it means bread for the next day but here's the point we're praying for the next 24 hours that God would supply our every need God would supply our every need every good thing is a gift from the God who we're dependent on. Even if we're smart or skilled or well-connected in our jobs, we have plenty of money, those things are gifts from God. It's sobering to think that while I may have lots of food and a house to live in, two beautiful daughters and a wonderful wife, that it could all be gone in an instant. It was kind of a hard weekend as I was preparing and thinking about this because Corey took the girls and they drove down to Seattle and I'm thinking, one car wreck and I'd be a changed person forever. And I think about that family out in the county who woke up only to find their 10-month-old baby was missing and the front door was open. There is no guarantee that what we have has any permanence. No matter what our bank account says, no matter how strong the walls of our house, I am entitled to nothing. And amidst disease and sin and natural disasters and stresses and accidents, you name it, it's amazing that we have what we have. Praise God. Someone said that to be human is to be in need. We were never designed to live apart from God. Now, that word dependency is a bad word in our culture, isn't it? We want, from the very earliest of ages, I've already seen it in Sophia, we want to be independent. We want to be on our own. No, I can do it. I can do it. I don't need your help. We are made to be dependent on God. I would be very disturbed if I caught Sophia taking scraps of food after dinner and hiding them under her bed or going through the sofa to collect change to hide in her piggy bank because she was afraid that Corey and I wouldn't provide. That would be very disturbing to me. Now I wonder how God feels when we, if we are, driven by fear to hoard things especially at the expense of other people. 
Later on in Matthew chapter 6, this very same chapter, Jesus says, Do not be worried about your life as to what you eat or to what you'll drink, nor for your body as to what you put on. Is not life more than food, the body more than clothing? Hear, hear me on this too. The key word is worry. Worry just doesn't cut it. In the Greek language, that word means such an anxiety that you are afraid and staying up at night over what you're going to eat and drink and put on. So I am not saying, be lazy. I am not saying, empty out your 401k. You know, we live in the 21st century and it's okay to save money. It's okay to have investments. The thing to look out for is when gripping fear is what's driving you. If we're putting our trust in our stuff or a system rather than in God. And that's the difference. Being driven by fear or not. This whole daily bread thing uh, would have been very familiar to Jesus' original audience. Remember the Israelites, after they escaped from Egypt by the hand of God, were in the wilderness for 40 years. When it says wilderness, I mean it's desert. There's, there's not all these livestock, there's not plentiful gardens and things like that. And so the people are wondering, where are we going to get food? And God says, oh, I'm going to provide your food with this stuff called manna, which is basically, they don't know what it is, that's why they call it manna, which means I don't know. And every morning they would wake up and it would be like dew on the ground, kind of crusty. Like, have you ever had that gross communion bread, the flat stuff that's wafer? I don't know. I'm just saying. I have. And it's, I always imagine that that's kind of what manna was like, but I have no idea really. But anyway, so they would wake up in the morning and the, the ground around their camp would just be like dew, only thin wafers of stuff. And God's only stipulation was, just take as much as you need for each person in your household for that day. So you go out in the morning, you collect what you need for the day, and you bring it in your tent. Now some people, of course, didn't believe God, and so they tried to take a few days' worth. And what would happen is they would wake up the next day to a stinking, raunchy smell because maggots and stuff would be growing in there and eating it all. It would all go bad every day. Why would God do that? Why wouldn't... You know, God, if you were more efficient, you would let us collect it in a cooler. You would have invented refrigerators back then. And we could store it up for a month and then we could have more leisure time. Right? Isn't that what we're about? I think the reason God did that is to show that it is about relationship. Not just about the stuff we can get from God. It's about relationship. If we just pray this prayer to get stuff, we run into the risk of losing God in it all. And this is the... So we've seen the first layer and the three attitudes. And now we're going to go to the second and last layer. When we pray for bread, we're praying for the bread of life. We're praying for the bread of life. Have you ever noticed how many times food is mentioned in the same sentence with Jesus? 
Sometimes I wonder if he was overweight or something, but he did walk a lot, so he probably wasn't. But he was always partying and eating with people. And even his stories talked about banquets and food. And it's almost more common than his miracle stories, which fill up like a good over half the the Gospels. It's, It's amazing how many times Jesus is mentioned with food. And it's no doubt if he's trying to make a statement. Do you remember Emily just read Isaiah 25? Israel is in captivity at that time, wondering where God is. And he makes a promise that one day he's going to gather everyone up. And the metaphor he uses is a giant banquet, a party with aged wine and good meat. And the people invited to that party will have eternal life. Eternal life. Now, what do you think Jesus is trying to say in holding all these banquets and telling all these stories about banquets? Maybe he's trying to say that that time has begun to arrive in his very presence. Beyond praying for physical bread, we pray for the coming of the great banquet, the gathering of those who place their trust in Jesus. Again, part of the danger of praying just for for physical bread is that we lose God in it all. Jesus fed 5,000 people, five loaves, two fish. Just after that story, in John's Gospel at least, a whole pack of people, crowds and crowds of people begin to follow Jesus. And He turns and says to them, actually I'll read it verbatim, He says this, You seek me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and you were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on Him the Father has set His seal. A little bit further in that same chapter, Jesus says, this is, man, this is a whole sermon right here, I am the bread of life. Who come, he who comes to me will not hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. Jesus, the bread of life. Now check this out. This is a trip. Where was Jesus born? What town? I see a bunch of lips, but I don't hear. Bethlehem. In Hebrew, Beth means house. Lahem. Bread. The bread of life was born into the house of bread. Is that coincidence? What a trip! We need this bread. But God recognizes that we can't get here. We can't even pray. We can't do the things that we do if we don't have physical food. If we don't have the necessities of life. Clothes on our back. Shelter. Love. Peace. But if we just have those things, we don't have real life without Jesus, the bread of life. Jesus is the one who created us, who sustains us. He's the one who rescues us from all of our sin, our guilt, our shame. He is the bread of life. If you come with an empty stomach, 
The great thing about this church is that you'll be filled here in just a few minutes back there. But once your stomach is full, are you still lacking some bread? The bread of life. If so, you can taste of Him as we pray. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. For those of us who have physical bread, the things that we need, we thank You and recognize that You are the giver and provider of those things. Father, show us how to live. Show us what to do that our brothers and sisters around the world would not be without. And Jesus, the bread of life, maybe our spiritual stomachs are empty this evening. Maybe you are longing for the life of God to dwell in you. You can receive the life of Christ. Lord, for all those who are hungry for you, won't you enter into our lives? Won't you fill us and make us new? Because we cannot live on mere bread alone. Amen.